Hi, I'm Tracy Levesque, and you're listening to the WP Elevation Podcast. G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode number 56 of the WP Elevation Podcast. Our feature guest this week is Tracy Levesque from Yikes Incorporated, based out of Philadelphia. Uh, they are a WordPress and Cold Fusion shop. And Tracy uh, has spoken at, or is about to speak at WordCamp San Francisco. In fact, by the time this goes to air, she will have spoken at WordCamp San Francisco. She also teaches at Girl Develop It. Um, she is a big fan of networking. They run a sustainable business. Uh, she uses Trello a lot for project management. And in fact, she says that she's Trelloed her life. And she takes photos of abandoned buildings and shares them on Instagram under the username RuinPorn. That's a true story. We're also giving away a lifetime license of the video user manuals plugin this week. So stick around for details on how you can enter the draw to win that. There's lots of good stuff in this interview about project management, about knowing your customers, about pricing, about hiring staff, growing a team of eight, I think they are now. It's a great interview. I really enjoyed interviewing Tracy. I hope you do. I hope you enjoy watching or listening to the interview wherever you are, and I hope you learn a lot. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from the USA, Tracy Levesque from Yikes Inc. Hey, Tracy, how you doing? Hey, hello. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now, whereabouts are you in the States exactly? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ah, I've got friends in Philadelphia. We met them in Italy years ago, randomly on some boat trip, and they live in Philly, and they talk very highly of it. I actually want to go New York, Baltimore, and, sorry, New York, Boston, and Philadelphia are the three places I want to visit the most in the States. Coincidentally, I have a friend from Australia staying at our house this week, so. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go. Um, awesome. So, hey, before we get into this interview, quick announcement of competition. We're giving away a lifetime license of the video user manuals plug-in. My business partner's going to kill me for doing this. Um, so stick around for details on how you can enter the draw a little bit later on. Of course, the video user manuals plug-in now has embed codes, so you can embed the videos on your own membership pages for your own clients. Uh, and we also have Google Analytics videos presented by Justin Catroni of Google Analytics. So that's pretty cool. Stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. All right, before we start geeking off about all things WordPress, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when I was really little, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but that ended quickly. And then I wanted to be a cartoonist. Oh. And then later on, I wanted to be, I wanted to own a restaurant or a business of some kind. And so I feel like the cartooning uh, is like how I do front end design. And, you know, now I own a business. Right. So, and, yeah. and where did the business owner thing come from? Did your parents own businesses or did you have other sort of role models in your life that owned businesses? Uh, now, you know, now that I think of it, I, might, I think my dad did own a business, but he didn't talk about it a lot. He was just an engineer and he didn't talk about like entrepreneurship or business ownership. But I don't know. It's just I always something I always wanted to do. Was it the, was it the freedom? Like, did you want to be a boss or did you just not want to have a boss? I think I more wanted to create this world, you know, uh -huh. like with my restaurant idea, I had all these ideas of like how it would be decorated and the experience and, you know, what food would be. And I think I just like that idea of like creating this world that I want to work in. Ah, rather than kind of working in a world that someone else has created, 
You want right. to have your hands on the levers, so to speak. Right, yes, yeah, exactly. Cool. When did you discover the internet and think, oh, hang on, there's something here, there's something, this is a good idea worth pursuing? Well, I was always surrounded with computers. My dad had an office and then we'd go to his office on the weekends. My brother and I would like eat non-dairy creamer and play with off supplies and <laughs> play with the Macs. He would sit us on one of those, those little tiny square Macs and uh-huh. I would use like Mac paint and I would, you know, like uh, draw album covers and stuff in Mac paint. Um, and then when I got to college... I had a friend who was doing some stuff on like bulletin boards and maybe a little bit of email. It was all text-based. And then um, I met my wife in 1992 and the two of us got really into the internet because there was um, an aid service organization in Philly that uh, provided free internet. So we dialed in through, you know, (laughs) and used like Emacs to look at the web through links. It was all text-based, and then I had, and then I got a job where they had a Mosaic browser, and that's uh-huh. where it really started. And then I learned HTML, and that's where it all started. So that's how we got into the web from the wow. very beginning, even wow. before it was graph. Wow! Before yeah. wow, um, that's impressive. You really are an early adopter. And um, so, did you like? Were you always thinking, okay, this is something that you know? sure, we can have fun here, but we can actually build a business here as well? Like, did the business opportunity uh, appeal to you early or was that something that happened later? That's that's almost exactly how it happened. There were three of us, me and my wife and another woman, and the three of us, we love, we geeked out all the time. We loved, like, internet stuff. We taught ourselves, like, um, you know, how to make websites. And then we started doing it for nonprofit organizations and our friends and bands and whatever, you know, who we're... Uh, involved with and then we're like hey we could do this and get paid and that's exactly how it worked the three of us just formed a partnership and you know we got our first big client and it just grew from there wow uh so do you and so this was so this would have been happening like before wordpress you would have been in the yeah 96 right wow what yeah. were you, what crazy, were you, right? What were you using back then to build websites, can I ask? Oh, my God. I, I think I just did it in, like, a, a, a Unix-based browser. I think I, like, wow. you know, went in through Emacs and wrote HTML files. And, wow. Yeah. And, and you know, used graphics. And, and there, I mean, there wasn't any content management system at the time yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's all static websites. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Uh, yeah, so we're, so we were experimenting now, you know, now years later, now we're a team of like six or seven or, you know, whatever. And we're trying to find a good, uh, CMS that we want to use. And we messed around with Mambo and like OS Commerce and a few others. Um, and then in 1996, I had a baby and my wife said, Hey, I, I heard about this WordPress to, it's good for making a blog. So we made a baby blog. And that was it. I was hooked. Wow. Completely hooked. So I remember like styling it, like styling that first blog. And then we just adopted it as a company. And I think we got probably really serious about developing for WordPress around 2010. Okay. And just been like, you know, really So So 2006, you had the baby and discovered WordPress for a blog. Right. Okay. So that's still pretty early. I mean, that's like... So WordPress yeah. was kind of 2004 was or 2003 was first released. So 2006 is still pretty early days of, of WordPress. How right. how have you kind of 
how, how, like for you, what, what have been the biggest improvements in the last eight years that you've been using it? Wow, past eight years. I think custom post types yeah, is the yeah. biggest thing. I remember, I mean, I distinctly remember when custom post types came out and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> um, uh, even little things like uh, the custom menus. Like it was more difficult for, to, for clients to manage menus before then. Yeah. Yeah, custom post types really sort of opened it up just from a blogging platform to a page and content management system. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, I've always seen WordPress as a content management system and not just for blogging. Like I, I know that's been a hurdle in some people's minds, but for me, it never was. I always saw it as a good for a CMS and the, cu the custom post I've just made it that much better. Mm. Have you had much... Um, so when you adopted it as a company, we're totally off script here, but that's okay. When you adopted it as a <laughs> when you adopted it as a company, did you have much of an, a struggle to then convince clients that this was the right platform? Uh, in the early days, I would say yes, and we we work with a lot of nonprofits, and uh, not for some reason I don't know who it was, but every nonprofit in Philly thought they needed Drupal. They just <laughs> even if they didn't know what that meant. They heard it and were like, we need Drupal. We've been told this. And we're like, and now that has changed. It's absolutely changed in the last couple of years. Now people are actually, some of them are getting off of Drupal and onto WordPress. And it's like so much easier for them to manage. Mm. Um, so, yeah, in the early days, there was uh, some education. But now, I, you know, people now come to us wanting WordPress. So you've seen the, the kind of the incoming inquiries change over the last couple of years where people are actually requesting WordPress rather than having to be convinced. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, how do you describe what you do in one sentence when you meet someone for the first time and they ask you what you do? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Elevator pitch is, uh, I say Yikes is a web design development company. We make websites for businesses and nonprofit organizations. Simple as that. We cool. make websites. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice and succinct and straight to the point, yeah? <laughs> yeah? And do you find, like, do you, how do you differentiate, you know, do you find uh, that you're having a conversation, well, okay, well, you know, there are so many other companies that make websites, what makes you guys different? Um, we work really hard at doing a good job. We, you know, we have these uh, kind of these old-fashioned uh, so we used to say we're an old-fashioned high-tech company and that we are so strong in customer service. And I think that's something that sometimes is a little lacking in tech in general. It's mm. like the, the customer, you know, feeling like you're smarter than them and you, they need to be, they need, they just have to listen to what you're telling them and like, but we r try really hard to um, be really customer service service focused and do a really good job for our clients and make them a quality product and make them feel happy, you know, and it, like a human being answers the phone. They can drop in whenever they want. Um, you know, they're as involved or as not involved in the tech end of things as they want to be. And so that's one way I feel that um, we, we, you know, that we're maybe a little different. Mm. Than, than other companies. Yeah, well, why is it you think a lot of developers particularly are kind of, don't have that approachable nature or that, what, what, like why, why, I mean, I'd, I've seen this time and time again that developers mm -hmm. deliberately kind of build a, a canyon between them and their customers. Why do you think that is? Is it, do you think that developers are, 
afraid of humans and better with computers? <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, stereotype or anything, but I think it takes, it takes a, a team. It takes a collection of folks to have a good team. Um, there's some people who want to put their headphones on and just code, and that's fantastic. And there's other people who, you know, want to have a relationship with the client and just make them happy. Mm. Some people are better on the phone with clients, and some people are better, like, doing support in the forums or, you know, or over email. Mm. Um, so I feel like our company, we have a really good balance of, of folks, you know, and, you know, even... The, you know, the developers that just kind of want to code and not talk to clients so much, even they can, like, you know, when need be, like, uh, talk to clients and, like, you know, be friendly. Because we're just, I don't know, we, we uh, stress that so much in what we do mm. and how important that is to us as a company. Mm. So, yeah. And what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Are you still on the tools, so to speak, or are you doing more kind of biz dev account management stuff? Honestly, I am happiest when I am building themes, oh. creating custom themes. I really just love uh, building themes for WordPress. Um, I do a lot of front end. I'm mostly uh, front end, but I do some develop. I you know I do some back end stuff too. I can you know do some code, and I get it. I love getting it to a point as far as I can go before I have to hand it off to uh, one of our you know PHP programmers. But so that's what I love doing. Number one, that makes me the happiest. Um, number two, I do a lot of project management. Um, I am like the WordPress uh, person. I speak a lot at WordCamps. Um, I also teach for Girl Develop It here in Philly. It's um, a program that's actively trying to get more women involved in programming and, and mm -hmm. tech. Um, so I'm the WordPress track teacher for that. Um, I do a lot of uh, networking. Um, I pay the bills. <laughs> I do that kind of stuff. I'm curious about the networking thing. I, I'm, I like the fact that you're speaking at WordCamp, uh, at WordCamps. That's in fact how I found you. I found you on the WordCamp San Francisco speakers list and the girl develop it. Um, uh, is that what it's called? Girl develop it? Girl develop it. Yeah. It's um, an organization that's uh, uh, all over the United States and I think in other countries as well. And then there are chapters all over. So I'm in, heavily involved in the Philadelphia chapter. Cool. And we have classes, all kinds of classes from like uh, web concepts to basic HTML, uh, CSS and advanced all the way to like object-oriented JavaScript and really kind of Python or, you know, really yeah. more advanced stuff. And it's all about um, getting, you know, bridging the, narrowing the gender divide in tech. And it's working. We have uh, probably... I don't know, 10 to 20 women who did not have a tech uh, career in tech before and then took classes and now they have a, a tech job. Awesome. Yeah, um, it's great. So I like the fact that you're teaching and that you're speaking because I think it's really good positioning. It's kind of hard to argue on price with someone who is teaching a whole bunch of others in the industry how to do it. The networking thing, I've always found networking to be like, I've always found networking to be a bit awkward and a bit kind of mm -hmm. how do you approach a networking event without kind of coming across as desperate or because I've always kind of found networking <laughs> events like speed dating you know right well the thing that's nice about WordPress is that it's fun to network in the WordPress community yeah, it's about great. like doing it being silly and you have to have a good sense of humor and I don't know either hanging out at WordCamps and in between sessions just like 
talking about whatever to going out afterwards, you know. So I, I work well in that world. Um, my partner, Mia, who also is the other owner of Yikes, she does better with our, I, I call her the grown-up. She does much better with our corporate clients. You know, I feel like, that's where I feel awkward if I have to, like, get dressed up and act like a grown-up. I, like, you know, I don't, I don't do well in that world, but she does great in that world. And for me, I, I'm happy wearing a WordPress t-shirt and, like, you know, and talking WordPress with a bunch of other WordPress geeks. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So it sounds to me like the way that you approach networking is not is is to approach it more almost like a social thing where you're building relationships with people. You're not going in there just constantly pitching what it is you guys do. Right. I mean, it's always in. Well, I'll have to. I'll admit, it's always in the back of our heads. You are positioning yourself as a you know in the WordPress community. That's part of you know the game, I guess. Mm. You know of networking, mm. but uh, from a but also I sincerely love it and I love the people. And I love WordPress and I get really excited talking about it. So it's not, you know, I feel like there's a sincerity there. It's not just, I'm not just trying to sell myself every second, but that is a part of it. And do you network out of the WordPress space? Like, do you go to non-profit networking events or non-profit conferences or seminars, or is it you, you just network within the WordPress ecosystem? No, there's a there's a really awesome tech community in Philadelphia, and we do a lot of networking. Um, there's a group called Technically Philly, which is kind of a, a hub for the whole tech community in Philadelphia, and so we do a lot of networking there. We're in some other organizations. We're really involved in the sustainability community, mm. so sustainable businesses and sustain, sustainable business practices, and we do a lot of networking there too, um, and sponsoring events. And yeah, so we are in other worlds as well, not just WordPress. Cool. But but it sounds to me like because I was reading on your website before about the um, the uh, lead platinum status that you guys have with the building where you are, which I'll yeah. get you to explain in a moment. But it sounds to me like you're really good at finding what you're passionate about and then being active in those spaces. So you're active in the sustainable business practice space. You're active in the WordPress space because that's what you're passionate about. Whereas right. I think a lot of people go off to networking events because they think there's going to be business in it, even though they're not really passionate about it. And I think you can that, you can kind of smell that a mile off, can't you? Yeah, like we, you know, the three of us started business. We all came from a nonprofit background, and we just made a pledge that we were going to, you know, run a. So it was called socially responsible business at the time. There mm. was no like sustainable business or triple bottom line or all these other green terms that that people have now. But we are just like, that's what we want to do. And we are driven by a passion for, uh, of caring about stuff, mm. you know, be community, be like um, making good websites, uh, you know, the, our lead platinum building. But, you know, I, I feel like in, in more recent years, I feel like I have to really put all my energy into more of the business thing and, and less of the green thing. I feel like we've covered the green thing. We are, we are good. You know, we are, we are doing a good job. You know, we have done a lot and, you know, I just want to continue to grow and now kind of be more like a, a Santa Claus with a green thing than an activist, Yeah, right. if that makes any sense. And so tell me about the lead platinum status thing. What is that? We, we, I mean, I'm not familiar with how that works. So just for our viewers and listeners, explain how that works and what you had to do to get that. Sure. Um, so, um, in green building, like building a, a, you know, a, a sustainably building a building, um, there's a certification system in the United States um, called LEED, and you can have these different levels. There's like LEED certified, 
silver, gold, and platinum. And you have to have a certain number of points to be able to achieve, you know, platinum. So what we did is we bought these two buildings in the neighborhood that we're, our business is in. Um, and they were completely run down, blighted. They were an eyesore on the block. It was, you know, a pretty bad, bad scene. Like you went in there and there's like holes straight from the roof all the way to the basement. So we bought these buildings and we were insane and did a lead platinum rehab. We attempted to do a lead platinum rehab of these buildings and we did it. It was hard. It took a long time. Um, but they're beautiful. And now we're like, a, you know, it's a, it's this kind of um, up-and-coming neighborhood, I guess mm -hmm. you would say. And now we, we, I feel like we helped, you know, we helped, like, rise, you know, helped contribute to the neighborhood. And now we have this storefront and, you know, we're part of, of the, that commercial strip. And it's great. I love it. That's awesome. I, yeah. Um, what, what to, uh, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? <laughs> it, uh, the, the one thing that keeps me awake at night uh, literally is my 16-year-old cat who meows <laughs> at me for no reason. Um, but about the business, I'm, pretty, I'm actually pretty good at right. not getting stressed out at night and being able to sleep. But those moments that I do wake up in the middle of the night, it's, it's my to-do list. Like mm -hmm. I just see, oh my gosh, I have so many things I have to get done. I have to get this project done and make these deadlines. And so deadlines and, and you know, the work I have to do is what in my half awake brain keeps me up. But by the morning, I'm like, oh, it's really not so bad. I just have to do these three things and it'll be fine. So yeah, yeah. yeah. the what cat and my to-do list. The cat and the cat's meowing for no apparent reason other than it's, no six, it's 16 years old and probably a little bit confused yeah. as to why it's still here. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you use to manage your to-do list? Uh, Trello. I love oh, yeah, Trello. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Trello because I'm a visual person, yeah. and I love being able to just like look and 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 immediately see what needs to be done. Um, I love the to-do list, and now I've started um, experimenting with um, giving my clients access to the Trello boards, mm. so they can have stuff to do. Um, so yeah, Trello. That's great. Um, do you get? Um I love Trello too because I'm a very visual person. But the problem I have is if I've got like, do you have like a to-do board and then a, you know, in-progress board and then a done board? Because I, I started that way and I looked at my to-do board and I just got so overwhelmed by all the stuff on there. <laughs> I just would close it and, you know, go surf YouTube or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> I have four. Okay. I have the kind of tasks, so like all the overall tasks that have to be done for mm -hmm. the whole entire project. And I have a in progress. That's kind of the, the in progress is like stuff that's being worked on, but maybe not being worked on right this minute. Mm -hmm. Then I have doing, and then done, mm -hmm. and then another column for notes and and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know, you can have these cards in the doing and in progress, so you feel like oh, the, these are the things that are getting done. And you're not so overwhelmed by just a giant pile of cards that mm. you haven't done. And you have this for individual projects, right? Individual projects, yeah. What right. about what about the overall business? Like, what about some? What about stuff that's not project related? Do you have like just a separate Trello board for the kind of yep. general admin stuff, right? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Absolutely. I even have one for WordPress. I even have one for my house. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you know, like so I've, I've trelloed my entire life at this point. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I think you've inspired me to get back into Trello. Because um, I do, I love the Kanban board thing. It's like, it really makes total sense to me. I think I just need to break things down so I don't feel so overwhelmed looking at, you know, hundreds of uh, to-do items. Um, yeah. What do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you keep your head together and stay balanced? Um, number one, I like hanging out with my wife and kid. I have an eight year old daughter. Cool. She's really fun. Um, so I like doing that. I take pictures of abandoned buildings. I wow. crawl around in abandoned buildings and take pictures. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the one. That's probably my favorite hobby. And I also play the drums. Oh, really sweet. Yeah. Awesome. So I've been in bands of various kinds since high school and uh, cool. you know now I probably play like maybe a show or two a year right. it's just enough you know because yeah, yeah. like when I when I'm in a band I'm like this is fun then I'm like oh I gotta practice every week oh my god I gotta haul my drum up the drums up the stairs now I gotta take them down the stairs at like yeah, yeah. two in the morning when I want to be in bed so like yeah. you know yeah it's a at a perfect level of just playing a couple times a year yeah <laughs> I used to, I played, I've been playing drums since I was about six years old and I gave up, oh, nice. in, well I didn't quit but I sort of moved to guitar and vocals when I was a teenager because I got sick of lugging my drums around. Oh, it sucks. It's the yeah, worst. Yeah. It is. And trying to pack all your drums until we had a Mini Cooper and we had a perfect, we had a perfect system for getting the drums in the Mini Cooper <laughs> so you could have like two people in it at the same time. But you know what? I'd rather play guitar. Like I wish, yeah. you know, that I started over again and play guitar because yeah, yeah. guitar is just so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. What sort of style of music do you play? Indie rock. I love yeah, indie rock. Cool. It, it, the, the past few years, like we've been uh, in Philly, there's this like yearly kind of cover band um, fundraiser uh -huh. uh, called Ladyfest. And um, so all these just one one time bands form for this show. And cool. so last year we did Patti Smith. And that was great. Oh my gosh, the crowd! It's like I've never, I've always been in a band that's either like unknown or covering a band that's really obscure. But yeah. to have like a whole crowd of people singing along yeah, and yeah, freaking yeah. out—that oh, that was the best. So, and then before that, we were in the Electrolane cover band. I don't know if you know Electrolane; they're from England. No, not familiar. Yeah, um, and we called ourselves Faux Electrolane, and we actually <laughs> played for like a couple of years, and that was fun. Nice. Do you, you yeah. po do you post your photos of abandoned buildings anywhere on a blog or anything? I do. I am on Instagram, uh -huh. and the user is called Ruin Porn. And the thing is, is that I am very um, – I don't identify myself right. on Instagram. So not a lot of people know that I'm actually – Ruin Porn on Instagram. Okay. But I have a lot I have a lot of followers and um and uh yeah, so that connection I don't make that connection a lot in public, but right. it's okay. Well, between you, just, you and me. Well, well, yeah, between you and me and the fifteen thousand and, and the fifteen thousand people who are gonna get an email about this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Go check out Tracy on Instagram. Here's her username. It's Ruin Porn. <laughs> awesome. You've just outed yourself there. Thank you very much. Um all right, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about the business right now, what would it be? Um, we, you know, we've been around since 1996, right? So we have wow, a lot like of customers that have, that, that have not changed their website since um, literally like 10, 12 years more. Wow. wow. They just and, – and, you know, we don't have the same prices that we had 10 years ago. <laughs> and so they're not willing to do a redesign. And they're also on hosts that we no longer recommend mm. that 
so if I had a magic wand, I would just like, you know, get them all on a good host, get them all in WordPress. So at least we wouldn't have to be managing these like static sites, sites mm. with maybe custom CMSs that we built like over a decade ago, you yeah. know, on old versions of PHP. But, you know, they're still willing to pay us hourly to make their updates. So it's like, oh my gosh, I have to go into this old static site and make yeah, updates, yeah. you know. And we love our cut clients, so we don't want to, you know, just say no. I mean, if they're willing to pay our hourly rate, even though it's a lot higher than it was 10 years ago. Mm. Um, so I would guess I would wave a magic wand and have all those sites be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe you could put them on like a subscription plan instead of like coughing up a big investment upfront to get the site redesigned and built on WordPress, put them on a subscription plan, which includes a refresh on WordPress and then all their maintenance moving forward, which is going to be a lot easier for you guys because obviously it's on WordPress and you're not managing static sites. Right. I think even then they wouldn't go for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And it's also that just, you know, that wouldn't, that would be tough for us, you yeah. know, because it's just like the, the kind of sites we do now and the kind of sites we did then is just so different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Legacy clients, eh? Uh, well, yeah. I'm sure we'll get some comments uh, about that. Let's keep that conversation going. All right. Um, so let's talk about uh, what you, where you guys are at now compared to where you were, you know, 12, 14 years ago. What, what does your team look like now at Yikes, Inc.? What, what is the team made up of? Um, we, there's eight of us. Mm -hmm. um, there are three programmers, uh, two front-end um, Mia, my, my wife partner, she does a little bit of everything. She does a lot of project management. She can kind of do uh, everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have an administrator and a sale, marketing salesperson. Okay, cool. And yeah. um, has it been, has it been uh, a difficult journey hiring people? I know there's a lot of people that we talk to are kind of, they're, they're, they're too busy to be a freelancer. Like they're not really a freelancer anymore because, you know, they're kind of, they're running their own business, but it's just them and they're overwhelmed with how much stuff's going on, but they're kind of scared to take that next step and hire someone. Has that been a, a challenging process? How have, you, how have you navigated those waters? Um, when we expanded from back, back in the day, when we expanded from three to five, we actually got a business loan. We wrote a business plan, got a business loan, and we were wow. able to pay it off early. You know, wow. we... we we paid it off early because we, you know, we did well. So that's how we expanded the first time. And then the next time is just like as you get busy, you, you know, you see how you're doing, you run all the numbers and you hire somebody new and it always pays off, mm. always. So I'd say don't be afraid, just just do it, mm. <laughs> you know, just like it's the worst that can happen is you can fail. Uh, you know what I mean, and then and then maybe that person has to go down to part time or something like that. But it's always uh, it, the only way to expand is to hire more people. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. How do you find the right people? Um, you know, like uh, I don't know, just a lot of networking, I guess. Like um, Philadelphia has some pretty cool uh, uh, communities that there's a lot of opportunities to kind of get the word out and I feel like everybody's hiring all the time but um the tech community in Philadelphia is pretty tight and well organized I'd say and we all know each other so that's how we uh get the word out so it's not like you're throwing up you know ads on job sites and then interviewing a whole bunch of people it's usually through the relationships that you've already built through I'd networking say, yeah that's a better way because you know before when you if you try to put something up on Craigslist it's like you just get a lot of like crap you know <laughs> yeah um and and you know you want it when it comes to wordpress you want 
someone who loves WordPress, who's kind of in, involved in that bigger community and kind of like, you know, like uh, tuned in, I guess, to the community of WordPress. Mm. So, yeah. How do you find your clients these days? Is it just all word of mouth referrals? I, I'd say mostly. It's always mostly word of mouth referrals. It's, it's mostly like our clients recommending us to new folks. Um, as we worked really hard like to try to get our name out there in the bigger WordPress community, um, we decided to, um, to devote five hours a week to the project. Um, through, you know, core or um, I also co-run the make.wordpress.org slash training team. Mm -hmm. We make like curriculum for kind of the, for like these mo curriculum modules that people can use in a live classroom situation at a meetup mm. um, or a workshop. So, you know, we've just kind of, uh, we, I want, Helen did a keynote at WordCamp Philly and she talked about how pretty much 10 up pays her to do WordPress full time. And I just found it so inspirational. And that day I was just like, we're going to, we're going to now devote some hours to WordPress because it does, you know, come back to you. Mm. And, and so, yeah, that has helped us like get our name out there more um, and be more connected with the bigger WordPress community. Yeah. How do you know when a client's not right for you? Like if a if a an incoming inquiry comes in and you just know you've just got like you've usually got a gut feeling that something's yeah. just not quite a right fit. How do you how do you like at what point do you draw a line in the sand and say no 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 we cannot work on this project or with this client? Um, when people have a completely unrealistic idea of budget, yeah, I mean right. that's just it hands down and luckily I don't have to let them down personally because we have a mark sales and marketing person and she's really good at that <laughs> um, some people you know you get a call it's like oh um, I want eBay how much does it cost to let make eBay I, I want to do that you know and then you know that's like not gonna yeah but even people who do have a serious idea and they just have a completely unrealistic uh, they have no idea what it takes to make a word site a website mm. um, and how much it costs to, to have a, a great website. Um, oh, I just saw uh, Chris Lema. He um, did the keynote at WordCamp Baltimore and he quoted somebody. I can't remember the name. It's like, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, just see how expensive it is to hire an amateur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's true, you know, but people, people are used to the web being free or cheap. Mm. Or they think it's like just a WordPress site how you know I can buy a theme for a hundred bucks like mm. why why would it cost why would it be expensive and people just have no idea so that's a bad client <laughs> so so how do you position yourselves to kind of avoid having to have lots of those conversations with people who want eBay for 500 bucks mm -hmm. um, well I mean I think our, our sales and marketing director she's she's gotten really good at kind of like sniffing that out quickly um, but the people who come to us that do understand, they're the, the best kind of client and they're the, the kind of client that you have the freedom to make them something great. You know, mm. um, they have, they're realistic on timeline, they're realistic on budget, they understand that it's a process um, and there's a lot of discovery that goes into making a website and a lot of work and that's when it's just like the best and everyone's really happy with the end product. And that makes us feel great. Yeah. So it's finding those people. And, and 
I think that uh, to find those people, you just have to stay firm on price. Like if, you know, uh, 10 years ago or whatever, like we were doing $500 websites or $1,000 websites, and so that doesn't do any good for anyone, you know? <laughs> it's like you're completely overworked. You know, a $1,000 website can be just as much work or more than a $10,000 website because you're still, like, making them design. You're still going through discovery. They're still very demanding, you know, as to what they want. They Maybe they've cut stuff out of the budget, you know, to get to that lower price, but they still want everything that they originally wanted and they're still mad that they're not getting it. So it's, you know, it's just not, doesn't do any good to take on those projects. Mm. So being really firm on like, this is what we do. We do a really good job and we're going to build you a great website and this is how much it costs. Mm. And, and the, and the decision to do that and to raise our prices and to kind of, you know, had that attitude, it's just completely paid off and we're all happier because we're not overworked. Like around the, the recession was really tough. It was a struggle to get through the recession without laying anyone off, without cutting uh, anyone's salary or benefits or stopping contributing to their retirement accounts. Like we really tried to do everything we could to keep, to not have to do that. Um, but it was, it was tough. You know, it was, it was it was a struggle, but since we just kind of changed our attitude about the whole thing, it's like you know what? It's like this is how much it costs everybody. It's just been better, you know. Do you find that you do you find that you kind of spend less time writing proposals for unqualified leads who have unrealistic expectations? Like putting your prices up and communicating that <clears throat> has that kind of filtered out a lot of the bad the people who aren't serious yeah absolutely and you know and and also you know back to jody again our our sales uh, director she just can sniff those people out now it's like she knows when it's not when it's a bad investment of time she also can tell when it's good to hang in there and keep a relationship going for a year or more Mm because the bigger projects have a longer sales cycle so she's just very intuitive about that whole thing and she does all that stuff yeah um and i don't have to worry about it (laughs) (laughs) how do you i'm curious about when you work with a team whether it's a team in the same office or whether it's a team somewhere else how do you brief or how do you communicate the project scope with a team so that everyone's on the same page and working towards the same goal. Right. Well, we do have an office. We're old-fashioned. We do actually have an office that everybody comes to. I mean, everybody also has like a work-from-home day a week if they like to, you know, if they want to take that. Um, but we all, we're all involved, I think. When it comes down to scoping things out, um, we all get involved. You know, we all like... Uh, give our opinions because something that Jody, that I may catch and Jody wouldn't catch, that our administrator will catch. Um, and, and that a programmer may say, well, what about this? And we weren't even thinking about that. So I, we, you know, when it comes to a really big project, we all get involved uh, in the scoping out the work process. And, and then, you know, we're all familiar with it at that point, you know, if we get the job. And then do you document, you know, do, do you sort of write up documentation of, okay, this is the scope of this project, or do you go straight into building like sketches or wireframes so that you can visually see the scope of the project? How do you refine the scope so that the client's expectations and what the team is building are going to match? 
Um, our office administrator, who's been with us for 10 years, um, uh, her name's Emily, and I like to say, uh, Emily's always right. <laughs> Emily is always, always right. She makes these elaborate uh, spreadsheets that breaks down the tasks very, very clearly. Like she's been doing this for so long, and we, we record all of our hours. Like, we've been doing it for years and years and years. All of our hours spent by task on each project. What's gone over? What's gone under? You know, wow. and so she really has a handle on how long it takes us to do stuff. Um, and, you know, she comes back with these spreadsheets and we, and, you know, maybe Jody look at it, we'll all get a little sticker shock, like, really? And I'm like, you know what, Jody, that Emily is always right. Just trust Emily. She's right. <laughs> and she is, she is always right. So we got to listen. We always listen to her when it comes to the final number on the quote. Wow. Cool. Um, and do you, how do you, um, do you do like wireframes or prototypes or you go straight into design? Um, I like to do uh, a discovery process where we, you know, I, I meet with the client and by the end we have a wireframe and a sitemap and, a, you know, a, a design discovery. And then I just go from there. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I'm totally picking your brain here about the whole <laughs> process that you guys follow because I'm just curious. And I know a lot of our viewers are curious too. Is like when it's not just you anymore, you have to start right. communicating because when it's just you, it's all in your head and you can kind of keep it together. But when you start communicating to someone else, that's when you've got an extra link that can potentially break down. And the more people that are involved in a project, the more links there are and, and potentially, you know, there are more breakpoints in that project for things to go wrong. Well, I think also I'm, I'm lucky because I, you know, I have a design mind. I'm, a, I'm, I, I like people and you know, communicating with people. But I also totally understand. I mean, I can't, I couldn't write like a whole giant query in PHP. But I understand what's going on. I know yeah. what it needs to do. And so, I think I'm a good communicator with the bridge between like the client and the programmers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, And our yeah. programmers are great too. Like they're, you know, they're. I, I feel like we have some of the friendliest like you know programmers around like they're you know so they're they're not just they're they're also good communicators yeah you know? I think it's an important role that the role that you you play which is sort of sitting between the the dev team and the client understanding what the client's trying to achieve from a business point of view and understanding what's possible and then being able to have the having enough technical expertise that you can brief the dev team and say well this is what we're trying to do and here's why because the mm -hmm. client can't really understand technically what they need to say to the dev team and the dev team might not really understand the intricacies of the business because they haven't been privy to those conversations so i'm a big fan of the role that you're playing in between the the client and the dev team um yeah. cool okay so we should do our our lightning round our elevation round right. which is a series of quick questions wp elevation as you know is a business accelerator for wordpress consultants so i'm going to ask tracy a series of quick questions here about consulting and freelancing and she's going to give us some Quick, mind-blowing answers off the top of her head. <laughs> <laughs> mind-blowing. No pressure. Um, <laughs> what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? So I, I, I teach a lot of WordPress classes, right? And um, I, and a lot of people that come through my classes, I have a theming class. Uh, they are either uh, like one-person shop or they want to be a freelancer. And I think the number one thing that people don't take seriously is hosting. Um, ah. Yeah, it's like they, it's like the last thing everybody 
t thinks about. It's like, well, okay, I'm going to make this website. I'm going to throw it on a shared host or I'm going to something super cheap or whatever. And, you know, you don't want to do that. You wouldn't do that with your store. It's like, I'm going to make this great store and I'm going to put it on a, I don't know, a shack or something yeah, 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 yeah. that's going to fall apart at any minute and then complain that everything's slow, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you really have to think about hosting when you go into this business, not as an afterthought, but as a part of your budget, you know. I love managed WordPress hosting. Uh, it, it could even be part of your business model because you can have like manage a big, you know, managed WordPress hosting with a lot of installs that you can set your clients up on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's actually cheaper for them, you know, than if they were to get their own, but they have the benefit of having like a, you know, a bigger account. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you know, it's, it's an investment at first cause you're like, oh my gosh, you get like what, $250 a month, like to pay for managed hosting and like pay for like a, you know, 20 installs and like that, you know, that is a scary thought if you're just one person, but it's worth it. Cause like you have to worry less about uh, security, um, speed, caching, CDN, like all those great things that you need to run for your site to be fast. I mean, it's much more of a headache if you're on some shared host and it's like slowing down and the, you know, client's unhappy and then maybe the host isn't the best with security and then the site gets hacked or something. It's like, oh, no, good hosting. Get serious about hosting. Awesome. Out of, <laughs> yeah. curiosity, out of curiosity, who do you use for, for your managed uh, WP WordPress? WP Engine. Oh, yeah, cool. There yeah. you go. Big fan. We're big fans. Um, <laughs> what is the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? I uh, get more involved in the WordPress community and, and uh, give back to the community, give back to the project. Oh, nice. Um, I haven't heard that one. That's good. I'm, you know, it's good because a lot of people think, oh, you know, get involved in the community. It's all very kind of tree-hugging and hippie-esque. But, it, <laughs> it, you know, it's true because the, the sheer number of people involved, I mean, just going to a WordCamp is amazing because there are like two or 300 people all talking the same language and having the same issues and the same challenges and all wanting to help each other out. So, uh, yeah, being... it's, a, it's a very collaborative and not competitive community, I've found. It is, very much so. Yeah. Um, I've been to a whole bunch of business networking functions over the years and they're all really competitive and everyone's cards are really close to their chest and WordPress is yeah. just not like that at all. How do you stop competing on price? Uh, just, uh, like I said before, just don't. Just don't. <laughs> don't. Uh, you know, it's just like what you do is is valuable, and and you know, you charge what you need to charge to to do it. Just don't. Just don't try to have rock bottom prices because it doesn't it doesn't helps no one. Awesome. Uh, any tips? I like that too because you keep saying that it helps no one. It actually doesn't help anyone. You think it doesn't help the client. It doesn't right. help you. It, it doesn't, doesn't help your employees. It's just a, a whole world of hurt when yeah. you try to have these rock bottom prices or compete on price. I had a conversation with someone recently who couldn't understand why it was important for your clients to run a profitable business. Because if you don't run a profitable business, you hit the wall, you go out of business, and then you can't support your clients. So right. you owe it to your clients to charge mm -hmm. decent fees and run a profitable business. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? I've got nothing on that one because I don't do the proposal writing. Ah, <laughs> sweet. Excellent. Uh, Hire so... somebody who's really good at writing proposals. <laughs> so, ah, right. Yes. So, so who, who writes your proposals? Uh, Jody, our sales and marketing director. Okay. So I'm just going to put here, find a Jody. <laughs> find a Jody. Yes, Jody's awesome. Hi, not Jody. our Jody. We're keeping our Jody. <laughs> <laughs> no, not your Jody. Another Jody. Um, do you have a favorite tool for CRM? Um, then that again, like she uses Salesforce, I know, oh, yeah, or CRM. Right. 
yeah. Wow, okay, cool. Um, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? I hate to repeat myself, but Trello. Trello uh, and yeah. nagging emails. Like Trello and I, you know, in, in the card, like that, whatever card that the, the client's stuck on, I, you know, I will send them a nag email probably once a week and then like put that, mark that I've done that in the Trello card so I can see like mm. what the progress is. Yeah. Nice. Any ideas but, for getting referrals from existing customers? Doing a really good job. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Just like treat your clients really well and like do a good job for them and they will refer you. Yeah. It's not rocket science, is it? Um, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Um... I, I don't know. It goes back to uh, customer service. Like, just have, like, really, really great customer service. Like, I, I feel like a lot of um, companies get really bogged down in process and tools and not in the doing, you mm. know? Uh, I feel like every, you know, there's, like, always threads on Twitter, like, what's the best project manager tool? What is the best, you know, uh, tool? Go And we get so focused on these tools that we lose sight of, like, just doing a good job and, mm. and doing it well. Yeah, <laughs> really good advice. We all suffer shiny object syndrome, I'm right. sure. Um, all right, that wraps up the Elevation Round. Thank you very much. Hey, what is the future for Yikes, Inc.? Where do you think the company will be or where would you like it to be in 12 months' time? Um, I'd like to hire a couple more people. I'd love to have another designer and another uh and, and actually uh, another person for uh, Mia's team. Because actually our, our company, we are half WordPress and half ColdFusion. Uh -huh. so, and our biggest clients are on ColdFusion. So I would like somebody for Mia's team and somebody for my team uh -huh. um, in the next 12 months. That would make me happy. And I've got to ask, how is it working with your partner? Do you guys like at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, what do you do? You go home and talk about work? <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I talked about this on the Matt Report. Um, it, the, um, it's, I mean, I love, number one, I, I love it overall. Like we really like each other. I like, <laughs> and we're de our desks are next to each other. Like I like spending a lot of time with her. Um, it's great. And I don't know, it's, it wouldn't work for everybody. Absolutely. Um, but it works for us and, and that's cool. We have very complimentary skills. Um, the part that's hard is turning it off, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. uh, also cause we have a daughter. Um, yeah. so she gets off the bus and goes to the office, does her homework and you know, we're, car ride home she doesn't want to hear about work she just wants to listen to the glee cast and talk and talk and talk you know so she she doesn't want to hear it she doesn't want to hear if we had a stressful day she doesn't want to like you know talk about any of that stuff so so switching it off you know switching it on like going into work mode and not couple mode at work is that's pretty easy turning it off on the car ride home is a little bit more difficult but yeah yeah but yeah, i wouldn't yeah. have it any other way awesome yeah. My wife has always said that she, because she, I quite often joke, I say, come, you know, she's a psychologist, right? And so I quite often joke, say, you know, chuck it in and come and work with me. And she's like, yeah. And like within a week, you would either fire me or we'd have to get divorced. She's like, you, you choose. We can be married or we can work together, but never the same. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, don't, don't come work with me then because I like being married more than I need her to work. Um, okay. So, hey, what's just before we wrap up, what is the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? The number one, my number one piece of advice would be to get up as close as you can to the thing that you're worst at and figure out how to be better at it. You said this off camera and well, I'm yeah. going to announce the competition in a minute too because I really like this. This is what I think most people 
don't do. And it's, it's what Seth Godin talks a lot about, and I've actually learned a lot reading his blogs over the years, that when something gets too hard or something is a bit scary, people tend to shy away from it. And mm-hmm. one of the things I've learned as an entrepreneur is that like successful entrepreneurs are the people who are prepared to get right up close to it and work it out. So what, what do you th- like? What do you think the mindset difference is between those people who are prepared to get right up close to it and make friends with it and figure it out, and those people mm-hmm. who who like? Why is it so scary sometimes? Because nobody wants to admit that they're weak at something, and if it's something you're not good at, it's probably something you don't like doing, right? Mm. So, you know, if if you can get, you know, get, be face to face with whatever it is, um, you can get better at it. It's like none of these things are rocket science. It's like if you, but, you know, I feel like we're, you know, we were weak as maybe like discovery. Like I feel like we're, you know, some companies are all discovery and no getting stuff done. And which leaves you with unhappy clients. I feel like we are really get stuff done, do a good job, but you know, discovery might have been a little weak. So I'm like, well, I'm going to read books on discovery. I'm going to, you know, come up with something that's a nice hybrid because I also don't want to, you know, I feel like um, whatever our discovery is, it should also be a, a get stuff done kind of discovery, not a talk about our feelings for 10 hours, you know, <laughs> discovery, but like, you know, something that at the end of discovery, uh, here you have a wireframe, here you have a sitemap, mm. here you have all our notes, you know, mm. like, and from there, you have your homework, and mm. we have tasks to do. So I, I, you know, I just try to figure out how to kind of like create our own discovery process that does that. And that was hard, you know, because I, you know, I like talking, but I don't like meetings <laughs> that much. You know, I like doing, I like building, I like, you know, but meetings are not my favorite thing. And I'm like, you know what, I, I have to, you know, we're going to get better at this because I want to be great. That's, a, that's what makes you from good to great, you know getting better at the thing you're worst at. Mm. I like it a lot. It does take a shift in mindset. Um, so the competition this week is we're giving away a lifetime license of the video user manuals plugin, which is freaking awesome. It's like $24 a month at the moment. The price is about to go up too. So it's a very valuable prize. It's a lifetime license. You can install it on as many client sites as you like. And what we're doing this week is we wanna, want you to leave a comment underneath the video and tell us the number one thing that you are afraid of in your business or the number one thing that you know that you are bad at but you're just not addressing it you're just not dealing with it and i'll get tracy to swing by in a couple of weeks and go through the comments and award the prize sound good tracy yeah awesome awesome Thank i'm you. looking i'm looking forward to this conversation um <laughs> hey where can people reach out and say thanks um Besi- besides com- besides ruin porn at instagram of course <laughs> <laughs> no i've added myself um <laughs> uh my twitter handle is lil jimmy l-i-l-j-i-m-m-i you can always uh, follow me there. Right. And then my um, company website is Yikes Inc. Y i k e s i n c dot com. And if you like teaching people how to use WordPress, uh, come join the team training at make.wordpress.org/training. Cool. What's the uh, little Jimmy reference? Oh, it was a nickname that my friend, uh, who's like one of my really good friends, and she died like a while ago. Uh, oh. Like I guess it's been like twelve years now or something. But yeah, so she gave me that nickname, and now I use it for everything to you oh, know, cool. remember her. Nice, yeah. sweet. I, I blog about it on my blog, which is at thetracyl.com. Tra- if you want to find out about my nickname, <laughs> the the Tracy L. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, T-R-A-C. There's no E in Tracy. So the, no e. the TracyL.com. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm going to stick all that in the show notes underneath this video, which will be at WPElevation.com slash Tracy Levesque. And Levesque is spelled L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E. And Tracy does not have an E in it. So you can figure the rest out. Everything will be in the show notes at that link. Finally... By the way, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This has been awesome, and I know that our, our viewers and our readers are going to get a lot from this, so I do appreciate your time. Finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Um, Zoe Rooney. She oh. is a Philly local. She owns a small, like, uh, I think it's like her and maybe a few part-time people. Mm -hmm. um, but I am just so impressed by her work and her systems that she has in place. She runs a really tight ship. She gave this talk at WordCamp Philly all about like automating your WordPress development uh, using tools like Grunt and Gulp and Yeoman and stuff like that. And she has a, a, a WordPress theme out on GitHub uh, that, use, you know, that uses those tools. And I'm just, I'm just really impressed by the work she does. So I think she would be a really good person to interview. Cool. Well, I'm checking out her website right now. Uh, Zoe Rooney, keep your eyes on your inbox because we're coming to get you courtesy of <laughs> Tracy Levesque. Hey, Tracy, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. Um, I wish you all the best for the future of Yikes Inc. And uh, I'll be sure to keep an eye on you guys. And good luck at speaking at WordCamp San Francisco, which is like this weekend, week. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This weekend, yeah. Oh, my God. Friday. That's awesome. Yes, thank you, so, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Awesome. Cheers. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting Tracy Levesque as much as I did. Uh, of course, this episode was brought to you by the Video User Manuals plugin that is just so jam-packed with awesomeness these days. Uh, I haven't got time to go into it again. But check it out at wpelevation.com slash vum. Over 75 or 80 videos now to teach your clients how to use WordPress, WooCommerce, SEO by Yoast, and Google Analytics, um, and embed code so you can embed the videos on your membership websites. Pretty cool. You've been asking for that, and we've given it to you. We're also giving away a copy this week, so make sure you leave your comment underneath this video and tell Tracy the number one thing you are afraid of in your business that you know you need to confront. Maybe it's just pricing. Maybe it's networking, maybe it's public speaking, who knows? Maybe it's developing, maybe it's learning some new code, maybe it's learning one of those fancy pants CSS preprocessors like Less or SAS or whatever the cool kids are using these days. Uh, of course, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode at wpelevation.com slash subscribe and I think you get something for free when you subscribe. I could be wrong, yeah, you'll have to find out. You probably get a free webinar or a free ebook or a free report or something valuable, something useful. Um, and what you will get is an email every Thursday telling you that a new episode has gone live so that you can come by and check it out and learn from other successful WordPress entrepreneurs. That is at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. All of the show notes and everything we spoke about in this episode with Tracy will be available in the show notes at wpelevation.com slash Tracy Levesque, that is T-R-A-C-Y-L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E. That's right, Levesque has a silent S. Um, again, leave your comments underneath the video to enter the competition to win the Video User Manual's lifetime license. Next week on the WP Elevation podcast, I will be talking with Dale Beaumont from Business Blueprint. 
He is one of my mentors here in Australia, someone who I have learned a lot about uh, you know, regarding building communities and the whole online education thing. I'm really looking forward to picking his brain and learning a lot from Dale, so stick around for that. Go over to iTunes and give us a rating if you like us, or Stitcher Radio is another place you can find us if you're on one of those weird Android devices. Um, I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as we are. Until next time, go Elevate.